0: Founded in 1996 by Davis and Dean Factor, Smashbox Cosmetics is undoubtedly one of the world's leading beauty brands. This is a story of innovation, vision and legacy and you don't want to miss it. Hi everyone and welcome to Founded Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success, and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable & Maine, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable & Maine has been an incredible journey so far, but I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder I'm keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's a delight to welcome our guest for today, Davis Factor. He is the great grandson of the iconic makeup pioneer, Max Factor, who literally invented the word makeup. So it's safe to say cosmetics are in Davis Factor's DNA. Together with his brother Dean, he created Smashbox Studios in 1990, one of the most exclusive studios in LA, where they photographed everyone in Hollywood from Samuel L. Jackson to Angelina Jolie. They became well-versed in products for camera-ready skin, and six years later, Smashbox Cosmetics was born. The first brand to bring studio-quality makeup to consumers. Their signature photo finish primer remains their bestseller over 20 years later, and is widely considered a holy grail product. One thing about Davis's journey that I really relate to is that it, it is began one thing about Davis's journey that I really relate to is that it began with family. I think it's ultimately the most enriching and meaningful experience and just one thing I'm so excited to dive into today. So Davis, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Hi, <laughs> thank you for having me.
0: So I'm so excited to get into this, but I asked my guest the same question I'm gonna ask you. It's a toughie, but it's a good one. So Davis, who in a nutshell are you? Who am I? Davis Bacter, born in Beverly Hills, California,
1: back in the 60s. I'm a lot older than I look. And um, I'm just this guy who liked to take photos. And one day I built a photo studio and it blew up. I brought my brother Dean in and I'm a family guy and actually a very kind of like simple person, very little ego. And I just like to uh, make pictures and make beautiful things.
0: But uh, I mean, so, yeah,
1: uh, sorry about that. But, you know, the story is that my brother and I work together to build the brand that we have right now. Um, one more thing I like. I grew up playing sports. I was a surfer and a skier, um, still do all that stuff. Very athletic. Um, love Southern California. This is where my roots are. My family comes from a great cosmetics legacy so it's really amazing to follow their footsteps and I don't kind of like define who I am today.
0: Oh my okay there's so many things I want to get into so I mean first things first and for someone like uh, myself as well who's you know gone into business with their sibling uh sibling founded brands can be quite interesting but did you kind of from the get-go growing up did you think that you would Kind of go into business with your brother
1: uh, when I was growing up, I never thought I was going to go to business with my brother um glad I looking back at it, I'm really obviously glad I did It, it was amazing relationship it was we still work together even though we're not working concepts together, but no it it's it was just a dream come true to be able to like bring family into this and especially work together with my brother
0: definitely well, you know it really fun kind of anecdote so like Kind of similar to you and your brother, my sister is a creative one, I'm the more business one, and my family is in, in beauty industry for for uh, 40 like years, and my, my dad builds fragrances for celebrities and big brands, so um, it was sort of like in my DNA without realizing it, but I never thought I would go in business with my sister, but then when the idea came, it just made perfect sense. It's like these like hidden jigsaw puzzles that were being made since I was born that I was like ah, okay, yeah, like this, this actually made this works. So I think there's like a similar thing where it's like this, um, sometimes things are, doesn't have to be forced, it can just beautifully fall into place. Um, and I think that's why I think with you and your brother, it's habits will happen. But I would love to go a little bit deeper into first the photography part. So how did he first get into um, you know, photography and then creating the studio? Because you said it's easy, you know, you just, you just said build a studio and um, started shooting some of the, the top names, but that that's not everyone can do that.
1: I, I just think everything fell into place, again, organically. I, I, it wasn't hard. I mean, I think because mm. I had been shooting pictures from a very young age and the crew i have run around with in, like, in Los Angeles or Hollywood and stuff was a very creative crew, which included photographers and people who in restaurants and clubs and all that stuff. So I kind of grew up in the nightlife um, in Los Angeles and New York. And so I was surrounded with people that were super creative. So when I created the brand, when I, we started the brand, everybody was just there to help and support it because we created a studio in Los Angeles that didn't exist. And it was a recipe of Dina Davis Factor, Everything fell into place in a really, really easy way. It wasn't that hard to yeah. build the studio, at least.
0: No, I love that.
1: He's <laughs> got a little tougher down the road when we started building other businesses and stuff. But um, and I never thought I was going to go into cosmetics when I was growing up. I mean, I was surrounded with it. My family basically commercialized cosmetics, invented the word makeup, and uh, my great grandfather mm. was a legend. So and it was a full family business, but. We never thought that we were going to own our own business like this. It kind of kind of just happened. And I can tell you how. Oh, I love that. If you want.
0: And that's my next question. So tell me how. Uh,
1: we created Smashbox Studios. Um, it was the first super studio in Los Angeles. Uh, kind of modeled after some studios in New York that I had been working in. And I thought that there was a demand for this. And when we opened the studios, it was even better than I thought it was going to be because the celebrities didn't have to go out to New York anymore to shoot. They could just stay in Los Angeles and the photographers could go from New York or wherever to LA, which is really where they wanted to come. And it made it easier for the publicists. It made it easier for the celebrity. It made it it great for the magazines because they love to come to Los Angeles, shoot on the beaches, shoot on the studio, have the great weather and stuff, the super cool hotels just like the whole LA vibe is a very creative vibe. So the studio opened up at the perfect time where we were able to drive that business to the studio. And what we did is we opened up a super grimy studio, kind of the way I would want a studio based on my aesthetics, our aesthetics. I thought, we'll just do what I think is going to look good. And then all the photographers will love it. So it was kind of like pretending it was my own studio What do I want in a studio? And everybody would want it. (laughs) So, from the creative aspect of it, from the service, from the, you know, all the different aspects of the studio things you could rent or use, or um, all the different, um, you know, resources that we have in the studio um, we just did it all. And we started with one little studio. So, it wasn't like we opened up this giant studio all at once. We started with one studio and built it into five studios, and that took three three years to do that. So um, that that was kind of like the nucleus of all of our businesses that we created, quite a few businesses, but that was a seed. And my photography was the vehicle to get us there because I had been super involved in photography since I was really little. Like the camera, I remember I was like, I don't know, like 12 years old and I was like rummaging through my dad's closet and I found a camera deep in there and I remember him pulling me by my feet out of the closet, like pulled out with the camera in my hand. I thought I was going to get in so much trouble and he was like, you know what? You could have that. And that was like my first Nikon camera and I put it around my neck and I just started shooting everything. So whatever came to my mind, I was shooting and then things that I saw, I started shooting. And so that was like 12 years old. And wow. so I think that that my dad planted the seed, and I just ran with it. It was just I knew that's what I wanted to do, automatic immediately. And maybe I was inspired by photo shoots that I went to, that my mom would bring me to, the Max Factor shoots when I was young growing up. I loved going to the studios and watch that stuff. I got to see glamour, transformation, Hollywood. So it's kind of around it. So I, I don't know. Like I I just picked it up and just ran with it
0: that's that's sometimes the best things it's just when it all kind of i think a lot of this is like it just fits into place and it makes perfect sense did you have like a i guess a favorite sort of subject that you started when you were experimenting with your photo shooting was it like humans models was it like uh like fruits uh, like uh what was it
1: yeah so it was a combination of like I really liked kind of, like, photojournalism at first. I really liked capturing events and things that were happening. So I grew up in Beverly Hills, and at the time, in the se- early 70s, there was a lot of, like, political stuff going on, and I loved to get right in the middle of it and start shooting, like, you know, peaceful protests that sometimes ended up not so peaceful and things happening around the city that were kind of like, um, you know, news moments. And I also loved to be at the beach, and I loved to sort shoot – pictures of the ocean and stuff. And, you know, I'm a surfer, so I used to love shooting my buddies surfing and stuff, but also, like, beautiful kind of, like, uh, scenic shots of still lifes of the ocean and stuff. And then I started working people and girls into it. Um, And so I think it was a combination of men and women. I started a combination of... You know, those three things. And then I started to get ideas in my brain, like dreams that I had and things that I wanted to, like, capture, like, build. So it was all happening at once, all these different, you know, um, st- all these different, you know, photography kind of, like, ideas and stuff like that mm-hmm. and categories of photography that I just love to. And I still do all that stuff. Like, I like to be in the middle of it, and then I'll go do a beauty campaign. So
0: I love it. Um, yeah. I, I love I love also how these things don't fade. It's always going to be part of you. It's it's because it, it's still something that I guess you are you're still learning even today, right? You are you still oh shooting things and and cuz now there's also new forms of um I mean obviously cameras change. We we know that. But um sometimes even like this uh, what you can even do with the power of iPhone, it's like, it's incredible now, but it's just about the eye that you that you've cultivated that something that's unique, not necessarily the vehicle of Shooting it. I think that we counted something like 700,000
1: photos taken with my phone, which is my favorite camera. And um, I have done museum shows that were all shot with my phone that people don't even realize it. So the quality is so good right now that you can shoot. I've done videos, you know, like rock videos on my phone that people don't realize. And so that is my favorite camera, the phone. It is. Always with me, whether it's a Samsung or whether it's a iPhone. I really like the Samsung camera the best, actually. The Android yeah. camera is fantastic. But, yeah, um, it's really revolutionized photography, which has really helped with our cos- cosmetics. So, Definitely. you know.
0: No, but – and speaking of cosmetics, so, like – Tell us a little bit about in 1996 when, I guess, you know, creating the brand, because were you seeing this pain point on set of like that kind of, sort of studio lighting mixed with the cosmetics and the brands out there at the time? Did you find that there was like this not camera-body skin application of makeup that was readily available? Like what, How did you create Smashbox Cosmetics with your brother?
1: Well, as a photographer, I would have things that I liked and things I didn't like on my shoot. And I never liked when they would come in and powder. I didn't like when you'd have to stop to kind of, like, redo the makeup in the middle of the shoot. The things that just frustrated me. I mean, I'm in the middle of a shot, and I'm getting a really good role going. All of a sudden, mirror makeup comes in, like, right in the middle of my shot and starts fixing things that are, when the faces are, like, creasing the eyes or the skin starts to become mottled and stuff like that. And so I just started to think, like, why can't there be a product that you put on the face before the makeup goes on? Kind of like you prime a car, you prime a house before the paint goes on. It was like literally that idea. And so that's, we came up with our photo finish um, primer. Um, I started thinking about makeup from the prep, from the, um, how do we prepare our skin to be perfect for the day? You know, um, you know, whether it's like a massage to the face or the right moisturizer and I just started studying it. And what I started to notice is that, like, every every foundation was a different color tone. And also, women reacted different to different foundations. Some were allergic to things. Some were, like, were too harsh or too this. So the, the makeup artists had to have this all this foundation brands in their makeup kit in order to please the person that we're shooting. And so I was like, well, I think we sh- primer should be – I mean, I'm sorry. I think that – Makeup can be more universal, and prep, prep especially can be universal. So when I started experimenting with the primers, they started to really work, you know, right away. And I had a beautiful formula by our lab, and you know, thus Smashbox Cosmetics was formed. My brother and I were Dean, even though he was business, he's like really instrumental in the creative edge as well too. Him and I were together; we did everything together. You know, we also had a lot of friends that were creating beauty brands that we yep. saw there was a lane for indie brands to enter the market. And so yep. they kind of paved the way for what we did, like um, Larac, Carol Shaw, um, Janine yep. LaBelle with Stila. These are like people that I work with, like as makeup artists. And, you know, I got to see the beautiful brands they were creating. And so we wanted to create something a little bit more um, innovation-based and create something that was... Universal, like I just said. So um, it was kind of easy to start thinking of it from the point of view as me as the photographer. You know, what I need to make the makeup, you know, look better, last longer. That's you're, – you're correcting things before you put the foundation so you yep. don't see through it. So. It's kind of how the brand was, the seed was planted.
0: So in terms of, that, you know, the seed started growing and I think, you, you know, we've launched an amazing array of great MPD. And um, then in 2010, of course, the Esther Lauder company's um, acquisition. Can you tell us a little bit about the journey till that and then how that all came to be and what that was like for the company?
1: Well, we spent 20 years building the brand. And yep. we learned how to build a cosmetics brand Kind of was like on-the-job training. You know, obviously my brother's business background and my creative background and ability to like connect with people and his ability to connect with people really like helped. But we had to, it was like all the job training. We had to learn how to build a cosmetics brand from the ground up. And luckily we had the studios just pumping. So we were able to finance the cosmetics brand from the, you know, from, from what we were doing at the studio. So, I mean, it was very scrappy. We were very like. You know, we were, you know, living on shoestring budgets, (laughs) you know, just putting everything into the brand um, and doing all the hard, heavy lifting. So, you know, 20 years later, when we sold the brand, all the hard work was done. We had already, we knew what we were doing. We were in, we had great retail partners. We were, you know, a great global presence. You know, we already did all the hard work. And so it was very attractive for, you know, major conglomerates, beauty conglomerates to look at us because most of these indie brands were getting bought up and we were one of the few at the time that was still a private company. So Dean and I put a really good group of people together. You know it was managed really well. We always got really high scores from Sephora, for instance, for, you know, this is if you're going to build a business model that's after Smashbox, because they really have it together there. And, you know, there were bumps and bruises along the way, but I think that everybody really welcomed us, so it made the fight a little bit easier. Because we were always, we were always welcomed at every event, and and Dean and I did a lot of on the ground, you know, personal appearances, like hundreds of them globally. So we got to meet everybody and kind of build the brand, you know, in a grassroots way. I mean, we didn't really have social media then, so um, yeah. you know, we had to do it, you know. We had to just be on the ground running and do it ourselves. And it was just amazing to be out there touching people's faces and meeting the world and understanding the needs of, you know, women and men, you know, globally. It was a great education for us. So when we sold the company, it wasn't like we built a company and sold it overnight. It was 20 years of building the brand before exactly. we were acquired by Estee Lauder.
0: And what, what, I, what I have to say is, is um, I, I don't know if you know, but fun fact, my first proper like I guess a full-time job was at Estee Lauder companies um, in EMEA in UK and um, I truly everything you're saying about what you built with Smashbox still stayed the same um, when I started my job in 2016 I think at the time um, oh. because I, I can tell you you you're, you're, you Smashbox was my favorite brand because downstairs there was a smashbox uh like store in like, the store downstairs areas. yeah yeah and we had the studios i yeah. would always book it out for the i was working in aveda so we used to book it out for the and you had all the equipment and it was just like the dream company for us because we were like oh my god we don't have to rent studios we have smashbox studios um and every and you can really see everything that you've built the dna has stayed the same which that you know, a lot of brands today they get acquired a couple of years in, five years. What I love about what you've done is is building it over twenty years. You've really set the DNA where it's still you guys today, no matter what. You know, because it's built so authentically and lovingly. Um, have you found like to this date, like you're still seeing a lot of those like essences remain?
1: Um, the success of our brand is. The foundation of it is the DNA of the brand. Exactly, and it's kind of—you're right. Like after 20 years of saying the same thing, it's very difficult to try to do something different and be successful. I've seen, I've seen us, I've seen it try. It's enough
0: proof of concept; it works. Go back
1: to what made you successful to begin with. I'm one of those people that you know. When we sold this brand, I had no desire to leave the brand. A lot of people leave brands after they sell it, and. So my contract kind of says that I can stay as long as I want. You know what I mean? That, as long as I'm a good boy, everything's going to go well. And I'm so happy. I actually am – I believe I'm the only founder left at all the water brands. But I'm like – I am 100%. a company guy right now, and I just love it. And um, the family is fantastic. And, you know, like you say, like the having that concept store on the ground floor next to Veda which I love the Aveda shop. I love Antoine yeah. Benders. She's amazing. She's, She's like, yeah.
0: just like, powers
1: me to no end. I love her. Um, yeah. It's really cool. And um, to be given that space was a big honor because that was a big space. And they just gave it to us. And so that just really showed me yeah. the, you know, the commitment to the brand. And so they could have turned it into stores and stuff. So that was super fun. Yeah. That was like the first concept store. Ever in the world. Yep. And um, I'm, I'm glad, glad you were there to be able to enjoy it. But, yeah, it was just yep. all part of building the brand. It just shows that Lauder really believed in what we were doing. And they obviously they still do. We're the number one, you know, primer brand in the United States at least. And yep. – um, you know the DNA is very, very much intact, and, and, and it's my job to keep it that way.
0: And I will say, like uh, going to your point of that commitment to the brand, sure, but the commitment to you—it's actually so powerful because um, you know I've had a few Estée founded brands um, that were obviously acquired from like the likes of Glam Glow, Bumble and Bumble, and often you know they they said it openly in the podcast—it was a five-year contract, and then literally de, de- like the end of day, de- you know, the end of the year five contract it's like thank you so much goodbye it's like, it's like done the fact that you are the only one that they wanted to you know keep you as well which is a big thing shows how important you are to the dna but also what you've built and how authentically you know you as a founder is is so crucial for the success of the brand and i love that because my you know even for me listening um, as a as a brand that you know sure getting acquired is is inevitable in certain beauty brands today, right? That's the way to scale and grow past what we can do as founders in in our own right. Uh, I hope to have a, a similar future to you to you because um when i speak to like anastasia from My Size beverly hill she's building a family legacy it's going to stay and pass down to her daughters and for me it's like i think i still need the help of a big conglomerate but i want to still be involved right it's still my legacy i want to be part of it i don't want to go on the street and be like oh i used to own that brand and i have nothing to do with it anymore it's it's that would be so i think it's really inspiring that what you've done with estel order it's pretty cool
1: I think yeah, one of the things exactly. I learned from my dad and my brother and my grandfather who are in the business side of things is, like, my place. And, mm. <clears throat> you know, my place in the business is to run creative, is to kind of be the face of the brand. And I have to be mindful of the team. And I'm only as good as my team and, or our team. And there's no I in team. And so I was exactly. brought up that way. so. When I sold the company, it was I didn't want to sell the company because I was worried that if we sold the company, that I wouldn't be able to work there anymore. So I was so happy when Leonard and John were like, and William were like, and Fabrizio were like, "No, we've been watching you. We love you. You're great. We don't ever want you to go anywhere." And I, I mean, it has, it 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 just has to do with I think just the fact that I really am a team player and really, you know, just like enjoy the whole process all the way around. And I also think that you know, like my family's legacy. I think the lotters lo- understand that that legacy yeah. is really important to the DNA of our brand, and our brand is owned by them. So you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's like we have to make it work no matter what. And there's to. And,
0: and I also love you as a founder. Can also you know you would there's a two way thing. You also should enforce the fact that even me, I'm taking notes. Like when I do my, if I ever do an acquisition. I wanna only do it if I can still be involved. Not three years, not five years. I want of course if things change, we mutually can agree. But the point is, is I don't want to feel there's a time limit for something that's my baby. You know, it's 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 hard to You uh, know, to I think that. that a
1: lot of the people that sell their brands don't really understand what the future holds. And I think they that they get a lot of money and they're like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm super rich right now and you know, I mean, then like down the road, they do regret it. They're walking in the street, they see their brand and they're not a part of it anymore. And they don't think about that when they sell the brand. I mean, no. most of them wish they were still like running in that,
0: you know, race. A little I guarantee bit. you. And, and how you can see that is they often, um, uh, I don't want to generalize, but it's kind of true. They'll often trade a second brand, right? Because they have like their kind of brand foam of, and then often uh, it's, it's not as maybe as successful as their original brand. And I always wonder, oh, why are they creating a second brand? It's, you know, what was the need for that? Couldn't they have just continued working on their original, you know, um, baby? So it's, it's often the same thing, exactly as you said, is there is that sense of they don't really see the long term. Or, or, and everyone's scenario is different, right? Some people have different circumstances and it's everyone's unique journey. But I do think um, there is a power of like sticking to your guns and, and having something where you can stay involved as long as possible because uh, truly d- people, the DNA can change. And sometimes by you being there, it's the only way to ensure it stays sort of intact because as you know, with these conglomerates, they, they have multiple brands and I've worked in them where you have this thing is called clustering, right? Where right. they suddenly, if a brand's not performing, they'll cluster with three brands. And naturally one will, sort of fade away or they kill it with fire meaning oh now we've got this new hot cosmetics brand let's keep that one but keep it low so it doesn't compete but we still own it you know there's all these i call them mild horror stories when you do these acquisitions and um there's ways to protect that by being involved and being a face so i can really tell i didn't know this till this conversation but it's like even for me it's like oh my god i can i can sense it because Going into Lauder and seeing the the array of brands, I can tell you Smashbox, something was unique about it compared to the rest. And it felt very founder-led, but I didn't understand it till now. So that's pretty cool. It's really. I think that that.
1: um, my brother and I just knew the brands that we wanted to sell to and the ones that we didn't. I mean, we did meet with other people before and... One of them, I was like, there's no way that I'm selling my brand to these people. There's no way. And so when Lauder came involved, I already done the research on them. I knew who they were. I already knew, like, a lot of the people who worked there and stuff. And I knew how great of it was a place to generally work. It was the less of all evils. And so, you know, in corporate America. And and it's just a very, like, it's like a people-friendly company. I mean, they really take care of their employees. I mean, obviously – you know, I think they do a really good job with HR and taking care of the people and, like,
0: amazing. Keep, I mean, they
1: work really hard, but um, the hours are long. But, I mean, generally, at the end of the day, like, it's, it's just such a, like, a family-run business, American family-run business. These are just a really, like, mindful family, as far as I'm concerned. And they do a lot of giving back to, you know, to the world. And so I really love that aspect of it. And so I was very, like, like, I don't know what the word is like. I was like, they had me at hello. <laughs> so yeah. um, it's just, it's just been an remarkable it,
0: It's very moment. familiar, I think, for you, because you've got this legacy of family and, and you know, and tradition and, and generational wisdom. And that's exactly what Lauder is with Leonard and the whole family. You know, they have built this family. The, the, I remember when I had my first uh, few days in the job, you have this whole induction to the universe of Estrella Company. Yeah. And one of the things that stood with me was the, the, the leadership and the board was like, I think it was like 90 or 80% family still, you know, it was such a still family led conglomerate that was still, you know, doing billion of dollars and, and so big. So it was pretty amazing that um, it was being able to do that.
1: There's a lot of opportunity at the Lotter brands to grow within the brands and to move to different brands and stuff. I really yeah. love the way that that happens. It's not like, yeah. there's, it's like there's room to grow when you start there. And so-
0: And, and, uh, and share. That was the yeah. really cool thing was I was able to experience Smashbox while I was at Aveda. And we had this hotspotting um, idea where soci- I was a social media manager at the time. So the idea was uh, social media managers could sit um, next to other social media managers and we actually had a meeting once a week where all the social medias of all the brands got together um, and then I, in my later career I worked for LVMH and Dior um, and I can tell you the difference was when I started Dior my boss at the time um, who it wasn't with me after but she, um, she was like oh like LVMH reached out to me and then they were like, why are you talking to LVMH? We don't share information. You know, we're very, we keep it to Dior. And I was trained by Estee Lauder where I was like all about sharing, right? It was like, we learn together. You know, my learnings helps every other brand. So for me, I was like, oh. So I realized when I was leaving, I was telling everyone I used to work for Estee Lauder companies and I used to work for Dior. Not I used to work for Estee Lauder companies at LVMH, right? It was, and not I used to work for Aveda. So it was interesting how subconsciously I felt I was working for the group, not the individual brand. And that's quite interesting.
1: That's how the Lauder brands are built. We just had a really interesting town hall at Smashbox with William Lauder. Yeah. And he told all these stories about kind of like how, you know, his family would, you know, say thank you and like really like be thankful for all the support that they got. And it was like, so mindful of like the um different partners that they had to create makeup and just so gracious and stuff like that. I think, you know, I have a little sticker on my phone now that says, I don't know if you can see it, says, thank you now. And that was from the event that we just know oh. that. You know what I mean? That's just like, who does that? You know what I mean? Like, who does that? So I that is you know, you just have to do a good job and 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 really be like you know, if you make a mistake, own it, and then there, it's going to be okay. You know what I mean? Like, right. everyone, you know, really join hands together to try to help you out. And um it's just great. I just, I love this family. The art's fantastic, too. I mean, these guys, like, oh. I'm an art fanatic, and so I love art. And so when I'm at the homes of my bosses and it stuff. It must
0: be the best collections. Like,
1: oh, my God. Like, I touched a Picasso in the bathroom. Like, don't tell <laughs> anybody. Like, it's incredible. So, um, yeah, I am so happy. I'm in for the long run. Um, I, I I don't want to be on the street looking at Smashbox going. I used to work there. Ever. I want to be yeah. here till as long as I possibly can. There's no limit to how long I want to be here for. You know, By the we, amazing, amazing.
0: I, I like, yeah. we have
1: the most amazing team in Los Angeles, and our leader yeah. Glenn Evans, is amazing. And and you know it's just, it's just a beautiful place to work. Everybody really is, is works well together. And, you know, we're very mindful of each other. And, you know, we've gone through COVID together, gone through working at home together. It's just like, it's been really like an easy transition back into a more normal life and stuff, because our leader is so like, he's so mindful of everybody's, you know, feelings and where they're at. And, different levels of, 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 of the you know, company and stuff. It's really cool. So it's really cool to watch. I'm very proud to be there.
0: Yeah, uh, It's one big family. I mean, your life has just been family to family. It's, it's, that's the best thing is it's that community that just keeps the brand alive in reality. Because without that, and that really does translate to the audience, uh, how the team feels, that DNA, the love comes through uh, so much. Um, but I, I would love to sort of, if you could explain a little bit about... The car, apart from the primaries, et cetera, like some of the, the range of products, but also some of the newness um, that has been launched recently for anyone listening.
1: Well, and it's funny because like, I'm on the phone like at least once a week to Jill, who's our VP of product development. I was like, I have an idea. Can we just make this? Can we do this? And she's like, I'm already working on it. It's so great. Oh. Tell Sabrina <laughs> in marketing. You have to tell her because it's really great. And like, So this energy is still happening all the time. We're all constantly thinking of stuff. And so um, right now our Halo Tinted Moisturizer has been a big hit in the country. It's just a beautiful formula. Jill killed it on that one. And, you know, we are always developing and relaunching, kind of not relaunching, but upgrading what we have and stuff with our foundations. You know, the silkscreen complex in our new primers is pretty amazing, actually. (laughs) And um we're always trying to like create real stuff that is really good for your skin. You know, we're trying to be fully vegan at some point. We always were, by the way, it's not something that I always promoted, but it's something yeah. that we always strive to be. My brother and I. Also no testing on animals. It's something that Fruity we free. always have yeah. done, even though we don't really push the brand as that kind of brand. I think we're, we're telling people yeah. that we're more vegan all the time, but these things are really important for the environment. Jill is in charge of our sustainability um, projects, and we're trying to move into a more sustainable packaging and all that stuff. Innovation is really what it's all about, and we're trying to innovate yeah. at all levels from primary to secondary packaging to the products to, you know, the way we sell them. Um, you know, we're – we're always trying to think ahead of stuff, and it's we're still basically a small brand compared to all the big ones. So yeah. we're only able to operate within our means, and so exactly. you know, like we try to we we have to do a lot with a little. People don't realize that most people don't realize that we're still fighting as a brand to like compete with everybody else because the world yep. has changed with social media, the way we're advertising, new
0: brands our- coming out, celebrity brands.
1: It's it's. Yeah. it's we do it through our products. We do it through the quality of our products that really work. Okay. And so, so that's, I think, you know, like, okay, we'll, we'll try everything else, but we're still going to go back to Smashbox because they really, you know, have the best product, you know, for this. And I find that all the time. People want newness. They'll try the new one that's out from this person, but then they'll come back to us again. So relying on the quality of our products more than anything will sell eventually it will sell the products because people will just keep coming back, you know? Um,
0: yeah. And thanks for saying, you know, also like no matter where you're at the business, it's still always a journey. I think people um, have this expectation of like, if you've been out for X years or you're part of a conglomerate, why isn't like X today? There, you know, brands again, it's costly and it takes time to, to get to, you know, the long-term goals, but also the goals are always shifting and changing because the industry is changing. Like I can tell you clean at Sephora, every year there's new ingredients being added in, right? Um, and also there's more and more packaging opportunities, secondary, primary, that are coming out into the market by these incredible new, um, you know, you got all these Cosmoprof and all these Cos- uh, Luxpack and et cetera. We're seeing all these newness that we're like, oh, that's actually even more sustainable, even more environmentally friendly. So you're never done, it's a long-term journey, um, and I think that's important to uh, have that transparency with the customers. Um, that I like that you know you're always getting more and more vegan because that's the reality of it. You can never really be fully anything today, anyway. It's, it's always you
1: know there's so much that goes into it. I mean, even the claims that we make have to go through legal everything, and so and that's a process. Everything's a process. So we're 18 months from concept to shelf which is a long time, which makes it hard to stay, like, in front of the trends. But the, it's the time <laughs> that we need to perfect what we're doing. And so as we would like to be more agile to be able to launch things in six, seven, eight months mm-hmm. – you're going to be taking a gamble if you do that because that product's not going to be as good as it's going to be when you have the time to actually dive into the science of what you're doing to test it properly, to get the right exactly. clients. Well, you it's can't
0: do proper tests it. with that timeline. And the reality is is um, six to eight months, is out, actually today, is a myth. For, and if any brand is creating something six to eight months, it's probably white-labeled and not a lot of good in there. It's just the reality, stock bottles and this. For newness and innovation, 18 months seems... Probably a new norm, which definitely COVID and the pandemic has shifted that, um, and delays and shortages and you know overstocking, etc. But it is the reality of the situation. um, Is that's and it's I think it's smart to think like that because that's just giving enough time for testing, for clinicals, um, compatibility, all that stuff, which we know time comes in phases. It can't be done at the same time.
1: We do shoot our campaigns you know, four months before launch. So we're able to kind of stay on the trends Nice, easier, you know, in our VM and, you know, our yep. digital advertising. So it's like the product, you know, is going to last forever, but we have to be quicker with the concepts the that we're going to show out there. So we're shooting like four or five yeah. months before um, we actually launch and stuff like that. So maybe a little more than that, but not that much more. So we're able to stay on trend that way. And um, our consumer engagement department is on top of it. So we're, 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 they're able to move super quick with stuff. Um, but, yeah, today's day and age, you know, we were obviously, the world was hit with some really difficult times. You know, first it was COVID, then the supply chain, and, you know, inflation and all this stuff going on. And, you know, we've had our backs against the wall just slugging through it. But again, I think a strong DNA strong core products and the fact that we have our own lane that we've established that we're number one at has really made it a lot easy for the company to believe in us so we could survive through some really hard times so um, it's a testament to you know how we we're, we're, we're in the turnaround mode right now um, yep. you know a lot of bumps and bruises from not being able to sell in the stores forever and you know, yeah. small brand, you know, smaller brand, you know.
0: And it takes time to even, uh, you know, revive, uh, recover from certain things. But actually just speaking on that, what what was the reality of the pandemic like for you guys in terms of like, top line, right? But like supply and um, demand and brick and mortar and everything. How was that like for you guys?
1: Well, no one was really prepared for it. So like mm-hmm. we didn't really have a contingency plan of what would happen if something like this happened. We were super invested. So... When it happened, we were just like, well, it's not just happening to us. It's happening to everybody. So, you know, it wasn't like Smashbox got sick, but nobody else did. It was more the world did. But there's a lot of learnings that we discovered through, you know, a really terrible time like that. So we could be more prepared for the future. We're more, a little more prepared now for what could happen. Where We understand that people are shopping more at home. And so we've devoted much more of our time to that experience. And it's starting to show right now. And we're maybe we were a little behind before. But, uh, you know, we've also had a lot of changeover in management and turnover in different departments and stuff. And it took a while to get to the point now where we're super solid for many years to come. Glenn's trying to build a brand. He came on almost three years ago as the president of our brand and a couple of the other brands. He was like building a sustainable business, something that could last for a very long time. So it took a few years for us to build it that way. And that's where we are right now. So we're able to weather storms, um, but we did survive. It wasn't
0: easy. It wasn't easy for it. And you come out stronger, which is the best part. And even like, I can tell by even you articulately saying like, you know, we have an 18 month lead time of concept to like finish. It's, that's like, like, you know, crafting the right formula that's come from experience of learning and trying and maybe listening too much to retailers and this and that. It's like, you're now you can, I can tell you've built like a very, like a, clean lean ship that's now going to be good for a lot of years to come and face whatever the pandemic or another thing that might come you guys are going to be you know uh, a lot more um, resilient to that every brand I think some of them have just tried to react and adapt some of them were born in it like my brand Um, so I think it's important to like now for beauty brands out there to think always like this could be the new norm and how are we being sustainable about it? It's not like a one-off thing. We should take the lessons and really change the structure to be, you know, suitable for the next couple of years. Nope. So that's what I'm really, really excited for the next kind of where Smashbox will head. And, uh, uh, I've always been a, a very big fan of the brand. So for me, it's, uh, it's exciting to see all of that coming into place. It, will, will you guys, um, kind of, do you have plans to like, uh, go into other verticals or do you find cosmetics is really like the space for Smashbox long term? I know obviously there's like, there's um, the skins, cosmetics hybrid, but yeah.
1: I think that's really where we're going is to have active ingredients and in all of our makeup. That's really good for your skin. You know, it's yeah. kind of like a hybrid between skincare and makeup. That's first where we're going. That's yeah, where it, it makes
0: all... sense. It's where the industry is going and where it wants to go. Yeah, as well. So just, yeah.
1: You know, um, and then, and then like, I mean, those our plans for the future are what's like we're seeing it. We're seeing our plans for the future that we planned a while ago happen. So, I think again, like what you were talking about before, you know, don't try to go after a home run. You know, go for the low hanging fruit, the singles and doubles and stuff like that. You know, inch by inch is the inch, mile by mile takes a while. Stay on course, stay stay on course. Don't divert from the message. And that's what we're going to do. That is exactly. the now, the future, and it was the past. And so yeah. that's what makes us successful, is consistency all the way through.
0: And that is truly, this is why I launched this podcast for founders purely only. It's, it's really easier and, and more likely to happen when you have the founder involved to the brand. That I can tell you instantly because You don't have constant management change. That's fine. That's healthy. But the founder is that kind of beating heartbeat, you know, that keeps the integrity and the authenticity to the initial core um, of the brand. So I think it's all, you know, thanks to you, uh, if I may say so. But uh, yeah, it's very exciting. Um, But before we go into fire round questions... um, I do, uh, and I know you showed me before your calendar, you have a very busy day, so I don't want to, <laughs> I, I want to make sure you have enough energy for the rest of the day, um, as as I know how busy it can be. But um, I would love, well, I'm going to ask you a bit of a, a mean, but I guess a typical question is, you know, I'm inviting you to a founder beauty retreat, but I'm being very strict and I'm saying, Davis, you can only bring one Smashbox product with you. Um, what is your one go-to hero?
1: It's my or the original photo finish Smooth and Blur Primer. I would bring my OG primer. I have one so. here.
0: Nice. Oh, I have a
1: whole array of makeup over my desk, so I can always see everything. Yeah. This is what I would bring with me.
0: That's the OG. This is
1: all you need, and you could use this with any other brand of makeup you want. It doesn't just have to be Smashbox. Just put this on and put anything you want over it. It's gonna.
0: Be a fantastic so. Amazing. <laughs> look great. Yep. It, it's, honestly, it's what we heard. I, I don't think there was a week where I didn't hear the, the product's name in when I worked at Estee. It's just, it's iconic. So I, I wouldn't say anything less. And that's a really good feeling, knowing that you've created not only a legacy brand, but a legacy product. Because that's just exciting to know, um, yeah, that there is um, something, no matter what, Will probably be in most households today it's pretty it's pretty cool um so fire round question so first thing that comes to your to your mind so the first question is what's another beauty brand that you're currently loving mac, mac. Yeah. the only
1: reason why is because they were my holy grail of makeup when i was growing up yeah i wanted to be like mac one day so it's it's mac
0: it's mac i love that um, what's a guilty pleasure of yours?
1: I, I use the word guilty pleasure all the time. Oh my god, it's so like bad food, pizza, <laughs> which I can't eat right now because I'm on a cleanse for three months, which I do once a year. So I can't eat anything yeah. I want,
0: but I can eat oh, pizza no. tonight. But you know what? You, 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 as you said, you're very fit. You work out. You do all your sports. So I think if anyone can have a bit of pizza here and there, I think you're, you deserve. Oh, it. Nice. <laughs> Um, what are you currently watching or reading?
1: Oh, well, I watch everything that's happening. My favorite thing right now is Pistol, the Sex Pistols thing on hey, Hulu. It's insane.
0: My sister is it good? Okay. It, so it's on my list now. It's so really? good.
1: It's oh, so good. It's hey, amazing. Annie Boyle directed it, who did Slumdog Millionaire, who directed yeah. it. And my sister, Anita Cameron, produced it. And wow. it's just so freaking good. I loved it. So.
0: Okay, well, now um, I know your sister's involved. I'm going to watch it, and I'll, I'll let you know how, how, it, how it goes. it am excited. It's my favorite time. Nice um what's your favorite social media platform right now well
1: i just always like kind of gravitate towards instagram so yeah you no know, just i'm yeah. old school <laughs> i yeah. can't really it's not funny
0: how we're like instagram is old school <laughs> It's <true. laughs> but it's, know, it's true TikTok. everything like people think TikTok, tiktok tiktok which i love tiktok but i'm still like i just i one. just i'm a
1: visual person i'm a photographer yeah. so photos instagram is everything
0: Exactly. I agree. And it keeps a little bit more like, I like the, like the feed being a bit mixed, uh, like a mixed media, uh, not just three second trending videos. I like the kind of, you know, sometimes you want to put a lot of effort in a beautiful photo and you want it to like, just be something you just admire. Yeah. Instagram can be just that. Don't way.
1: get me started on social media. Cause I, I have a whole thing about <laughs> that, but, um, but I do love Instagram cause I'm able to show my photography and stuff. like that. That's great. and I can see what yeah, my so friends are up to Instagram. and family and stuff,
0: which is Exactly. Sort of nice. You know? Exactly. And if anyone's in town, you know, you can be like, Oh, you're in town. Like it's it's such a great community platform as well. It's so true. Um do you have like a favorite quote or mantra?
1: Yeah, I I sayings were made for reason and they're all true. <laughs> it's my mm-hmm. own.
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: I mean seriously. I mean ninety nine percent of sayings are made are true. They're made for they were made for reason. There's a couple of dated ones, I forgot which ones, but yeah, that's kind of what i
0: I love that. And no INT. I
1: mean there's no INT. Exactly. Team. That's the main one.
0: That's where you build a family. It's very true. Uh, and my last question is I'm gonna like do a double, a double winded one. So if you want a beauty entrepreneur, creative, photographer, director, all that kind of stuff, what would Davis be doing right now?
1: I love law. I think it's amazing. Mm. Thinking about it.
0: Very cool. You
1: no, know, like I don't know. it's very um. I'm always like really intrigued by like all these legal television shows and all these trials that are going on, like Johnny Demp and Amber Heard trials. Like, yeah, I love I, uh, watching that stuff. It's like, it's just like I get addicted to that
0: stuff. So it's, I think it's, I would, it's, it's like a roller coaster. And so but in terms of legal as well, do you like the boring legal side of like just reviewing NDAs and the corporate agreements? Do you do that, and, or do you like outsource that? No,
1: I just like the law get, like, and how you play it towards the courtroom. I would probably want to be a like a. It, like I would probably want to be in court, like in the courtroom, in court, in in court cases. litigating cases and stuff like that. I think would be really fun. That's I don't it. want to do all that other stuff. Just the stuff. Yeah, you yeah see that other
0: stuff TV. is like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that you outsource That, that we don't stand <laughs> for. <But> yeah. That, <laughs> Oh, amazing well no it's been an absolute pleasure davis um thank you for sharing your you know your family legacy your story and, and and honestly for me it was very inspiring because um it's shed a lot of light and hope for potential acquisition to see the way you've been doing it with este so just want to say personally a big thanks but where, where can everyone find yourself and of course smashbox and social
1: where can you find myself what do you mean
0: yeah your own instagram
1: oh my instagram it's just my name davis factor that's where I am.
0: And then everyone knows Smashbox. I mean, it's all Smashbox Cosmetics.
1: Yeah, it's Smashbox Studios. By the way, our studios have an mm-hmm. amazing... Stream. You can see every major celebrity that was just shot in the studio. It's pretty impressive. Well, I look at it sometimes it's like, oh my God, I didn't know that, you know. I didn't know like, you know, Z was just there or whatever. It's like, oh, you know, cool. you know, they're all there. Like, oh, I wasn't there that day. But it's pretty cool looking at Smashbox Studios as well, too. Davis Factor
0: in Smashbox. Amazing. Well, I'll put all the links in the summary so people can just go click tap away. That's cool. And uh, Davis, when I'm next in LA, I'll let you know. Um, and if you're in London, you know, hit me up. And uh, Oh yeah, I will for sure. When
1: I, come, I used to be out there like three times a year, but since covid we stopped traveling the way we were
0: no but when you come we'll go to mortimer street we'll go see the 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 studios we'll love to and we'll yeah we'll catch up it'll be amazing thanks so much and um till till very soon yeah